In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. All right, so... Today, uh, when I was thinking about what to ask you about, um, I was originally going to ask you what you knew about whales. And then I realized that we'd been doing too much like Animal Planet lately. I feel like I've asked you about (laughs) animals a lot lately. Um, And so instead of that, I thought I would kick us off by asking Amy... What can you tell me about Atlantis? Oh, no. You're going to try to make me sound dumb. Okay, well, the first thing I'll say is the biggest mammal is the blue whale. (laughs) Oh, great. Great. Great work. I know that about whales. Um, Atlantis. Okay. There is a... I'm just going to list stuff that I know. There is a... Hotel called that in, ooh, now I'm not going to know if it's Bermuda or the Bahamas, but one of those. <laughs> okay. Um, that's the big fancy one. That's like the famous yep. Bermuda. I think Bahamas, I've heard whatever. of it as well. Yeah, you've, it's like I'll in every show ever. Anyway, um, that, <laughs> it is a, I don't know if it's real or if it's just like a, or an urban legend about like a a, a, a city under the sea, like a lost yes. city that's under the sea. Yep, that's really all I know. Okay, um, Atlantis, Bahamas. Okay, Bahamas. Yeah, is the the answer to that question. Um, okay. I'm surprised about this because I was thinking that because we've talked about, for example, conspiracy theories and things that I would be really into it because it's kind of conspiracy-ish. Well, not that you'd be into it. That's too strong a word. Um, (laughs) But that you would maybe have a little bit more kind of like knowledge by osmosis going on for you. No, I mean, I feel like the, the the conspiracies I like are ones that are much more far-fetched and probably not real in any type of way. Um, but, yeah, that this one is one that is very, very surface-level knowledge. Okay. Yeah, because it is the, the lost city of Atlantis is a famous... Um, 
I don't know if I would call it Greek myth necessarily. Um, it comes originally from Greece. Um, okay. Specifically, I, I just looked this up. This is not something I would have known offhand just for transparency's sake. Um, <laughs> Atlantis uh, is first mentioned. Oh, let's see. Hold on a second. Yeah, I just want to be sure about this. Um, yes, okay. So the first mention of Atlantis is in Plato's work. So this is a Grecian oh. origin. This Where this comes from comes from Greece, ancient Greece. Okay. Um, and specifically, it comes from Plato's work where he actually discusses it as a fictional place. Um, and he's using it as an allegory to talk about, um, as it says here, the hubris of nations. So I, not having read this, I uh, don't know anything about it. Um, but my guess is that what he's talking about is that um, kind of too much nationalism ultimately caused Atlantis to reach out beyond its capabilities. It's supposedly this, like, famous naval, like, that they're best at the Navy kind of thing. Okay. Um, and that because they, because they reach too far, of course, because it's ancient Greece, they anger the gods, and the gods send the Drown island them. nation into the sea. Yeah. Um, just, like, quick, quick... Um. Uh, interjection here. Mm -hmm. Um, that is nightmare fuel. <laughs> and are are we to assume we're not supposed to assume they could just survive under the sea? Correct. Well, that, it's just so that's that they. That's the whole thing. Is like I'm sure that so Plato writes about this in two of his works called dialogues. One called Timaeus and one called Critias. Um, and I apologies because I don't speak ancient Greek or Latin. So if I've mispronounced that, apologies. How dare you? Um, but my so it, that's the whole thing. In his writing, this was only ever fictional. And okay. so the idea that somebody <clears throat> could have survived and like swum elsewhere or whatever mm -hmm. um, is not relevant because it's a fictional story. Yeah. Right? But that's the whole thing is like, so now I need to go further down. Um, but that's the whole thing. Um after Plato writes this, other subsequent authors, some of them believe that this could be a real place. Okay. Um, and so that's where the, the kind of that's where all the theories. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, so, and it's Here's after thing. Plato dies that people start being like, oh, maybe that is a real place. Okay. You know, whatever, whatever. And then as a result of that, then. We from that little like sliver of like what if it were real, um, mm. and I guess even what if it were fictional because like the thing is I'm like it's fictional like if it's in the fictional storyland you could also have just stories about someone who survives like mm -hmm. that's fine 
Um, but in when the notion that it was possibly a real place gets seeded, then all of a sudden it is like, what if someone survived, right? Yeah. Um, and then that... Go on. Well, <laughs> just all of the, like, the theories about... Uh, theories maybe isn't even the right word, but, like, we've got the Bermuda Triangle. We've right. got stories like Atlantis. We've got so many other creepy things that happen at sea, I feel like. You know, recent stories uh, in the news that people may have heard of, also creepy. Um, My general statement to all still alive (laughs) is don't go out to sea. (laughs) If you can avoid it, I would say avoid it. Like... Um. If you work for the Navy, fine. I guess you're that's then you got you know, it. your lot that's in your life. Yeah. <laughs> but like I really more and more I know I spoke I talked about like having like thalassophobia, but more and more I feel like I'm getting more and more convinced of that being like an accurate fear. <laughs> Fair. Do you have? Yeah. Um so the whole So for thing me the thought of a city under the water is like, bad really bad I don't like it (laughs) I get it well but the point is is like that's the whole thing is like what Plato was saying is that this was an island nation that created a navy that was so powerful that it like went beyond its scope because Mm. it was too proud right and then the gods Mm. didn't like it and so then the gods pushed the island into the sea, which to, in an, I would assume, in an ancient understanding was like everyone died. There's no city under the water. Like they don't become Sure, mermaids. of course. Yeah, that you was know, the like punishment. That, yeah. Yeah. What over time, people have reinterpreted this to be mm-hmm. like a city under the water. Maybe we even have a like not just the ruins of a city under the water or not even a perfect city preserved under the water, but like what if people are there or what, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing have that... taken it over. Well, with that in mind then, let's turn our <laughs> attention to what we're going to be talking about today. Welcome everyone to See You Next Week in Space. I am Sarah Walsh and I'm here with my sister and co-host Amy Walsh. And Amy, why don't you tell our good listeners what we're talking about today? Uh, we are talking about a show called Stargate Atlantis, which aired from 2004 to 2009. And specifically, the episode we watched was called Echoes, which aired on April 20th of 2007. And it seems as though Sarah is... St- Fully trolling me at this point with only picking <laughs> things that I detest. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this one might have a chance, though, because it was newer. And there were some people it, in it I liked. Yes, but that's also why I thought that's it might about stand it. a chance. <laughs> I mm. I I promise you, I wasn't trying to troll you with this one. <laughs> I really okay. wasn't. Um. Now, you might be saying, well, okay, it's called Star- Stargate Atlantis. 
Um, that's why you're talking about Atlantis. I'll read the IMDb description, which I now realize doesn't tell us anything more about Atlantis, which is weird, but I'll say it anyway. Um, the description is, an international team of scientists and military personnel discover a Stargate network in the Pegasus Galaxy and come face-to-face with a new powerful enemy, the Wraith. Um, now, Did anything... I don't know what any of that means. Yeah. Now, I was going to first say to you, you are welcome that I did not pick an episode which included this powerful enemy name of the Wraith. I am, because I don't know what that means, but I feel like that word is familiar to me. It's used in a lot of fantasy stuff and science fiction stuff, too, but especially fantasy. And I personally don't like things dealing with wraiths. So I really what does didn't it mean? want to... Wraith is kind of like a ghost. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, that sounds terrible. I don't understand what a Stargate network is. Okay. Now, I guess I will kind of need to explain that, and I will do my best to do it briefly. <laughs> so, as you can see in the outline beneath the description... This show is a spinoff from a show that we have talked about, which is Stargate SG-1. Oh, yeah. Okay. And do you remember anything about that? No, I remember the name, but I can't tell you much about the show. I know that typically you like to wipe these from your memory as soon as we've spoken about them. Sometimes even before we've spoken about them. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I don't always wait. It's like usually pretty immediate. Um... But so, Stargate SG-1 was based on the movie called Stargate, but none of that really matters to a Stargate is a portal that makes space travel basically instantaneous. Okay. So, like, we didn't actually see the Stargate operate in this episode, But I'll try and describe it, and it may jog a memory of yours. So the Stargate is like a big circle. That's Um, the one where, that was like the the one where they were like killing the dragon thing? Oh, no. That's, you're thinking of Primeval, but good, it's it's of a similar. I just thought there was a circle portal thing. There, okay. they, theirs, theirs is like a naturally occurring phenomenon that makes like a rip in space time. This okay. is a, like an ancient machine that cir- it makes a big, big circle made out of metal and the circle spins. And as it's okay. spinning, the surface of the circle turns to look like water, like rippling water. Oh. Okay. And then they walk through it and they get to the destination that they've programmed in on the other okay. side. Okay. Sort so, of remember that, but I don't really remember that. That's fine. But the point is, is that the, sh- the movie and the various shows that spin off from it are all premised on the idea that a super duper ancient race that look quite a lot like humans. I can't remember if they actually are humans or not. It's not really important to this. Um, they're the ones who are responsible for creating all of these stargates that link to all different parts of the galaxy. And that's why there are human beings on all these 
planets other than Earth. Okay. And though I did not watch the pilot of this particular series, what I can infer is that they discover... So, like... But this one has more of a tie to water. Correct, because... Where they are on that, like, space station. Well, no, not space station. Sea station? What even is it? Anyway, that city on the water. Yeah. Um, That's the whole thing. They find this stargate that leads them to a planet that I presume is covered in water. Oh, okay. They're not on Earth. No, they're not on Earth. Okay. So they're on this sea planet. Oh, and my then there's this God, that's city. like, okay, wait a second, wait a second. That's my hell. Because, okay, so really quick, like, the the recent news of, you know, people perhaps, In, well, not perhaps, uh, dying Definitely dead now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay, here's my question. They haven't recovered anything of that sub, right? Like, it's just gone. They have. Right? No, they, they have, have now. They okay. Yeah, and I haven't read a lot of the details, but I think they said they found some human remains too. Well, that so, makes sense. Yikes. Well, they had first. Okay. Anyway, they had first made it seem like human remains were not going to be a thing because of implosion. But oh, my question. Oh sure. Yeah. So it might mean that there was like. I think they're hinting at they had an idea that they knew something bad was happening because they were already, like, starting to ascend. I'm not sure. Anyway, Mm -hmm. but if you could choose, if you were rich, if you were a billionaire, (laughs) and you could choose to go deep sea Mm -hmm. in down, it doesn't have to be, like, down to Titanic, but just, like, deep sea in a submersible fancy trip (laughs) of some kind. Or go to space with, like, Elon Musk. Which would you choose? Couldn't I just choose a third option, which is, like, buy my own private island and hang Keep out my there money. as much as I want? No. Like, is that optional? No, those are your two options. Those no, are these two are your two options. Um, I guess space... Yeah, I yeah. think that's the clear answer. I mean, yeah. uh, like, like that's how much I do not like water and deep water is I would rather go to space. And I would not want to go to space, <laughs> to be yeah, clear. I, like, yeah, we've I talked be, about this quite a bit. But. <laughs> but of those two, and specifically the accommodations that seem to be the situation in that particular submersible. Right. You couldn't wear shoes. You didn't have a seat. Like, no, hell no. Your bathroom is a bag. Are you kidding me? I'm out. Like, out. No. Yeah, the Um, comment, like, that's the thing that was, like, the weirdest about that whole Titanic thing was, like, it seemed like the people involved in that submersible were not serious people. Like, the people who made it. Because... Wow. Like, to get to space, like, because space is so dangerous. I mean, obviously, the sea is dangerous as well. But, like, there's so many more protocols. Like, the stuff that, like, Elon Musk makes and all those other rich billionaires, Richard Branson and stuff, to go to space, it still looks like a spaceship inside. Like it Well, looks and I think it has to same. be... 
Yeah, and I think it has to be regulated by NASA. I don't think NASA's letting, like, just anyone. unregulated yeah. aircraft into space. That's And that was the problem with this situation was, you know, the sea is not quite so regulated, although this guy did cut a lot of corners and do things in a way that was told to him by the, you know, I found out now there is, like, Experts, a deep yeah. sea community. Right. And that community, like, implored him not to do it because there right. just wasn't data the on right. Yeah, the proper that. protocols and tools and all the Well, things. it sounds like what yeah. he made it out of, what he made it out of was something that is used for airplanes and for things but had not had enough data on how it would survive Perform over time in yeah. deep water. Yeah. So anyway, point being, a planet of water is like... A planet that's not, not Earth, that is only water. Oh, my God. No, thank you. <laughs> like, I can't think of something I, I would like less. I get it. But the whole point of this show is that um, because there's this, like, already founding premise to Stargate, that there are these ancient human-like beings that seed humanity on all different planets all throughout the galaxy, and they've got the Stargates. So they're traveling through, through, through. The I assume the contention is is that this city on this ocean planet got into kind of human knowledge in one way or another, and that's why the myth of Atlantis exists in our life. Mm. It's based on this thing that is real, right? That's okay. that's my that's understanding. Why okay, that's why it's called that. This show, correct? Yes, Stargate okay, Atlantis. Okay. Um. Unsurprisingly, this was broadcast on the Sci-Fi Channel in the United States, um, and it spins off from the original Stargate SG-1 between Stargate SG-1's seasons 7 and 8. Um, the feeling was is that at that... I mean, Stargate was, was and is, and we talked about this when we talked about SG-1, um, a really valuable property, a really kind of jug juggernaut of a franchise for a solid, easily 15 years or so. Um, and this was part of that. Um, and so the reason behind Stargate Atlantis is that they wanted to do a spinoff show, but they wanted to avoid some of the difficulties that were starting to emerge from SG-1 because SG-1 had... Um, as you see here, something I've described as premier talent. Um, <laughs> and hey, I wait would a say, second. I feel like some people on this show might take offense to that. Well, they may do, but not at that time. Yeah, um, fair. And so they were like, let's get some relative unknowns into the mix that will save us some hassles in a variety of ways, not least of which is I'm sure it saved them quite a bit of money. Um <laughs> But as a result of that, or maybe that was planned in as well, uh, there was a fairly high turnover rate amongst the cast in this one. Mm. Um, I will say from what I've gleaned, uh, even though we're kind of in the middle of season three here, um, I think we've got all the main people who are perceived as like kind of the true kind of... Um, Real cast, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah. Or the like the staple mm. people. Okay. Um... Now, despite this, like, 
this was a really popular show. It was performing really well. Um, but for whatever reason, it was canceled after five seasons. Anyway. I think that's fair. Um, well, you know, that's your, <laughs> that's your opinion. I'm, sh- I'm sure there are some Atlantis heads who would disagree with you. Um, I'm sure. And at the time, it sounded like there... You know, as was often the case, because this, let's see, it ended in 2009. As was often the case back then, because there was no uh, Netflix or streaming services, uh, the idea was that God, would, what a caveman of a time, right? When it we does didn't have that. Feel, <laughs> it does feel like super ancient somehow. So, but so crazy. Like, like, remember when Netflix was... Just like sending you movies in the mail. What the fuck was that? Like, <laughs> that was weird. It was like, weird, but I remember getting them in the mail. Really? Like, and think, yeah, yeah. Um, I was a member at that time. I don't feel and then like I ever was at that time. And then joined again when it was streaming. Oh, that's um, so funny. Yeah. Uh, but in this case, and, and funnier still is, like, I'm, like, I remember getting those movies in the mail. And then you have to send see, them back. Literally, in, what the fuck is that? Yeah, it would have been around, I guess, 2005 or 6-ish or something. Wow. Um, no, you send them back. They sent you, like, the envelope to send it back. It was very easy. I know it. I know, but it does seem archaic. Yeah. I mean... Yes, it's weird, but it it was a thing. Um, you need to have a DVD player and everything. <laughs> remember I know. That? You needed a, like, remember a when whole you needed, machine like, a whole... other than your television to watch TV. Yeah. Wow. What a weird... We've lived through some weird technology shifts. <laughs> Indeed. Very sizable ones, at least in the realm yeah. of telecommunications. Um, yeah. But, so... As was typical at the time, anyway, when the show was canceled and there was this big, you know, like, fandom still quite avid, there were talks about making, you know, some movies. Um, I don't know if they meant, like, TV movie or actual, like, Mm. kind of cinematic release, but those things never materialized. Um, So this remains kind of, I guess, like a kind of fly-in-amber situation. They have these five five seasons, and that's what they got. Um, Mm. In terms of this episode, again, I think we've got kind of the main players here that people would expect to see from this episode or from this mm-hmm. series. Um, we start off with Lieutenant Colonel John Shepard, played by a 40-year-old Joe Flanagan. Um, now, I don't know in what capacity really this is true, but apparently he worked at the White House before he got into acting. Um, How weird. Which is interesting. I don't know if he was like... You know, some kind of like office worker, or did he do the Secret Service? I'm not really sure. Um, but he, I, I felt pretty sure, like I he's, recognized he's him. He's cute boy. He's like the main military guy. Cute boy. <laughs> yeah, pr- I guess probably, I would call him cute boy. Probably, I would agree with that. Um, Just he, because, not even that I think he's so cute, but there's like he's. He's the handsome guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's the handsome guy. Um, Yeah. And he was in, like, and as is typical 
uh, with the, especially when we do TV stuff, like most of the people who appear in these things are like really tried and true TV actors. He's one of them. He's done quite mm-hmm. a lot of consistent TV roles um, leading up to this, including a couple episodes of Dawson's Creek. Um, yes, that's what I recognized him from. Oh, yeah, because you've been doing a DC rewatch. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's um, re- relatively recent in my head, and I think I can place what he played, but okay. Yeah, and so then he was in this and kept kind of rolling along for a bit, but then it's, like, it's not that he wasn't working between 2013 and 2021, but it was, like, much more sporadic over that time. Um, Did you say General Hospital, though? Because that may well, be what I recognize him from, too. That's where he's now, when I say things seem to be picking back up, that's what I'm talking about. He, like, starting in 2021, he started being a regular character cast member on General Hospital. Oh. And, wait a second. Yeah. Soap operas are still happening? Yeah. they Well, because I know they did. They had that big kind of period where they were all getting closed down. But they've come back because, of course, everyone oh, really? was like, why are you doing this? Everybody still likes these shows. Like, Who is everybody? Um <laughs> Well, you know, people like mom and stuff who were like, but <laughs> I not don't think only that she's her. even. Well, of course, but I mean, here's the thing about soap operas. Nobody asked my opinion, but I'm gonna give it. A new episode, literally every day. Who has got it's time a lot. for that? It's a lot. I would not be able to keep up with that because I would like forget I just, and then I'd be like, man, I'm behind now. I, Forget it. I just clicked on General Hospital and they have like over 8,000 episodes. <gasps> oh my God. And it's funny because he, to me, looks like somebody who would have been on that show 20 years ago or 30 years ago, whatever. Like, sure, sure. He looks when like he was he younger. Looks, or, yeah. Yeah. I also feel like maybe he was like, is he someone who was on like episodes of 90210 or Melrose Place. He's like that type. He to does me. he has that look, but I I think I would have written it down if he okay. had been. Um, okay. No, and General General Hospital has so many episodes the episode guide won't even load on IMDb. Whoa. It's like too many. So I can't <laughs> That's crazy. I can't even quite work out. But yeah, he, so he was on that from 2019 to 2022. Wow. Um, and then yeah, so cuz like yeah, starting in 2019 he starts to show up a little bit more. And then 2021, and then now he's got some other stuff coming down the track. So he, like, he, maybe he decided he kind of wanted to take a step back after, because that is also something I feel like I've now uh, learned as a result of this podcast is that after you are a series regular on something that's been on for a while, often you get pretty burnt out and need to, like, well, take some time. Yeah, because I think it, like, yeah. I think it really does feel like a nine-to-five job, you know, where a lot of other acting work can feel, like, more gig-like. But when it's, like, constant, that probably yeah. is hard. Well, I mean, I'm not booing well, for not these people just, or anything, but... Right. And, and I would say it's probably different than a nine-to-five in the sense that it's probably, like, a lot longer hours. Um, like... And, and not maybe as consistent in, like, a 9-to-5 job. Most of the time you're like, I've, I kind of know how my day is going to look. I kind of know how the week's right. going to be. 
Um, sure. This might be things where, like, oh, this particular week I ended up only sleeping four hours a night for, like, six nights in a row. And I am, yeah. like, really burnt out. But so now he seems to be kind of back. Um, All right. Then we have the character Dr. Elizabeth Weir, played by 38-year-old Tori Higginson. She similarly has a pretty consistent TV career. Um, She, however, so like uh, Joe Flanagan was on this for all five seasons of the show. Uh, Tori Higginson was only on the first three seasons. She's like Um, that main lady walking around. She's like the, yeah, like the kind of like, maybe has like kind of the captain feel to okay. her. Okay, Um She seems to be the boss. And then okay. she similarly has a dip in like her credits, like after she left this show. Um, and now she's in a different TV series. Uh, so hmm. she's recovered and is back onto that. Um, okay. Then we have the character is called Taylor Emigan, played by a 36-year-old Rachel Luttrell, um, who was born in Tanzania uh, and moved to Toronto with her family at the age of five. Um, she has an interesting kind of backstory in musical theater uh, and theater, mm. broadly speaking. Um, she started out doing work as a chorus girl, um, mm. and then has, and then moved into again, same as these other two kind of regular and consistent TV work. Um, and then she's also pursued a music career as mm. well. Um, I don't know how successful that's been. Um, well, she's very pretty. I feel like she's got the look she, for it. She's really, really beautiful. Um, And she still seems to be kind of out and about doing some stuff. Um, And she is one of the characters as well who has been on all five seasons of this show. Um, Then we get to the probably, I would say, easily the most famous person or the person who's gone on to get the most fame. The character's name is Ronan Dex, played by a 28-year-old Jason Momoa, um, who as we know, is married to Lisa Bonet and therefore is the stepfather of um, what is Lisa Bonet's and Lenny Kravitz's, Zoe Kravitz's, Zoe Kravitz is their daughter. Hmm. You know they're not um, married anymore, right? Are or they not separated. married anymore? It says oh, they were really? separated in 2022. Oh, geez. Well, okay. Sorry, guys. Sorry you might be having some... Well, troubles with your was what I thought prior to this like every time I read about them it seemed like their marriage was like you know nothing but pure heaven and stuff mm. so Hollywood is um, a bitch to marriages so uh sorry I said Hollywood is a bitch to most marriages well I yes I think that's true but I guess I would also say marriage seems pretty hard as someone who's never been married and it that seems like it's a challenge um, it is. So, and they weathered quite a lot of Hollywoodness already. Yeah, and so I mean, I'd, they've I also don't... both been in like it seems like they've been in the public eye, both of them, for a long time. They're not like right. I mean, Lisa Bonet since she's been very young. Yeah. So, I mean, who's to say what you know their troubles are at the moment? But um, <laughs> maybe they'll rekindle something. Maybe they won't. Um, 
But uh, I was surprised to learn that Jason Momoa actually started out as a series regular on Baywatch, which I didn't realize. Um, yeah. And then he also had a different, like, I can't remember the name of the series now, but he was also a series regular in a different TV show before being on this. So he already had, he wasn't like a complete unknown by any stretch. Um, but I do feel like Baywatch, yeah, Baywatch had a very specific audience, don't you think? Like, I know it was very popular, but it was also like sort of a huge joke. Well, the thing is, is like by the time he was on Baywatch, it was like past the glory years. It wasn't. Or whatever. Okay, okay. Like, so okay. it would have had its following, but it wouldn't have been like a super. It wasn't Pam Anderson, Carmen No, Electra. it wasn't like the, I mean, it would have been a good gig for him, of course, but it wasn't going to be sure. like this major big break kind of yeah. opportunity. Um, okay. So he gets onto this show. I can't remember. Then he's on. He plays the titular um, Conan the Barbarian in the relatively recent remake of that movie. Um, And then from there, it is when his career really kind of kicks off. It's like after Conan the Barbarian is when he goes on to Game of Thrones. Um, Mm -hmm. And then from there, Aquaman. Um, And then, you know, he continues to make stuff and will continue to make stuff. Um, did is, you know that he did, did have you ever noticed that he has like his um eyebrow at least now is like one of his eyebrows is like got a slit in it uh anyway I specifically noticed but he has okay. a facial scar he has mm. a facial scar and it says Momoa was slashed across the face with a broken beer glass during an altercation at the Birds Cafe a tavern in Hollywood he received Yikes. approximately 140 stitches during reconstructive surgery. Yikes. The assailant was sentenced to five bad. years in prison. Yeah, that's really bad. I, I That anyway. sounds very scary. Okay. Yes. Um, he was also in this show. He, didn't, he wasn't in season one, but he arrived in season two and then remained in it for the rest of its mm. run. Um, and then finally okay. we have Dr. Rodney McKay, played by a 39-year-old David Hewlett. Um, who was born in England and then ended up in Canada. This, I don't think I mentioned this. This is, again, kind of a bit of a Canada production I was curious, yeah. Yeah. Um, He has the most credits of anyone of this group, uh, like by quite a lot, by a large margin, Um, and primarily in the TV realm. Um, Mm -hmm. This was certainly, at least so far, his biggest gig that he ever got. Um, but unlike mm. the other people, because I, yeah, I would say even Momoa, like, they all have a bit of a dip after this in terms of, like, how mm. often they're booking things and how often they're working. He does not have that. He just keeps plugging along. Um, Good for him. And has some other upcoming stuff. Yeah, you know, like, as we always say in this, like, to be a person who can, like, write their job as actor and, like, actually make the money they need to survive and live and, like, do the things it's that wild. people do in life. Like, it's well done. If you've done it, well done. <laughs> Seriously. Um, so then, uh, moving to the episode itself, um, 
We get a little bit of a previously on, which I didn't actually, in the case of this show, didn't seem like it didn't help me very much. I didn't um, probably pay attention to it, so it didn't help me. But I, I guess it also doesn't super matter because I didn't feel necessarily like I needed a lot of time to figure out what was happening um, because um, even though I would imagine this show isn't completely episodic, I would imagine it has at least some kind of like things, like longer arcs happening across the show. Um, sure. Mo- I would also imagine because we're in this like 2005 to 2009 time, it still can be a little bit episodic. Like each episode well, stands I- alone. Yeah, well, I and I also feel like this type of show lends itself to that because it's like each particular episode we have like a contained problem. Like yeah, yes, or the the relationships or like the bigger picture is ongoing, but like right. we have a a, <laughs> a specific problem that we're dealing with that's in this moment. Yeah, that yeah usually gets resolved within the episode. Right. And um and also even this one like even the interpersonal stuff seemed very light. Um yeah. So there was very little that I was like, "Oh, I don't know what's happening or like what the relationship yeah. between these people are." It didn't seem to matter, which was nice. So Yeah. Um the cold open such as it is is where we start with Ronan Shepherd and a different guy called Radic. Um he's sort of in this episode, but I didn't not enough to really kind of put him in the cast list. Um, mm-hmm. They're on their way back from a mission in the shuttle. And when they're looking for Atlantis to like fly into and come down, uh, the navigation system is messed up. So they have to like visually look for Atlantis uh, to land. This will become important later. Um and then in a different area on um, the city of Atlantis or the, the sea station Atlantis, I don't really know what to call it, um, Taylor and Ronan are meditating and Ronan falls asleep while he's doing it. And we know that because he starts to snore. Um, and Taylor that would be me. is irritated by that. Um, and that would also then, be me. I'd be the one falling yeah. asleep during meditation, but I'd also be the one annoyed that someone else was snoring. That's both of those are me. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think we can, we can, very relatable. We can relate to both of them. Yeah. Um, then once they're leaving meditation, Taylor has, I guess, a vision maybe is how mm-hmm. I would describe it. Do you want to try and describe what she sees? Well, I'm trying to remember myself. Um, I don't fully remember. I mean, I see what you wrote here on this outline, but I'm having trouble remembering the the real visual of it. She's like this lady with long, dark hair, and she's dressed in like... Robes? Yeah, robes is a good way. Like a robe, but it's like a dress. But it's like old-timey looking, drapey, like Mm -hmm. druidic maybe almost. And Mm -hmm. it's 
white, I want to say, or like a light color uh, outfit. Mm. And she, I can't remember if in this one she, the woman speaks or if she just looks at her intently and then yeah. sort of like walks right through Kayla or Taylor. Okay. And that's it. And Taylor looks, as you would expect, unsettled. Horrified. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's the cold open. We get the credits. Um, where I've written in my handwritten notes, credits equals heroic music. So take from that what you will. Um, then we come back and uh, Taylor and Ronan are in like the Atlantis gym, I guess. Um, <laughs> and they're doing, there's probably a more correct term for this. I'm calling it stick fighting. Um, like jousting? Or I don't know if it, like what I can't remember is if they were holding the sticks fighting? like swords, but they were sticks. I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember. Or if, or if it was like literally like when you have that like long stick and you use both hands, you know, mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. it. I, I can't remember, mm-hmm. but they're doing that. And um, in the, as like, as they're leaving that room and talking some more about that, Taylor sees this ghost woman again. Oh, okay. So this time is when the voice also gets added. So she like sees the ghost woman again. And then also the ghost woman starts talking. But like the talking sounds weird. Hmm. I'm not fully remembering this but like I remember her having visions but I don't feel like I was paying close attention that's fine I mean like the talking kind of sounded like hmm what did it sound like it sounded like um like a garbled mechanic sort of sound um Mm. like where you could like I'm trying to think of what would be a good example is like um almost as if like you're listening to talk radio, but there's also like something wrong. So you're like, I know there are, I can tell from oh how this mm-hmm. sounds that there are words in there, but I can't. But I can't make out the words. Yeah. It kind of sounded a bit yeah. like that. Um, okay. And so Taylor is like, I guess I'm, I don't, I didn't watch any of this, any more of this show. I would have done. I had the time, but like, in Australia, I had to pay for each episode, so I didn't watch. Oh, hell any, to the no. Yeah, so I didn't watch any other ones. So I, I can't speak to this entirely with confidence, but I feel like Taylor is like the spiritual one on the show. Yeah, I could see that. I also have so, a question. Wait, yeah. can I ask one question? Yeah. So Taylor and Jason Momoa, whatever the hell his yeah. name is. Um, index. They seem to be. Mm, what's the right word? They are dressed differently than everyone else. They seem to be oh, like in yeah. a different okay. time period, or like. Let me have a look. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. They seem like they're dressed the way that I feel like is indicative of sci-fi where it's like in the future we're all going to just wear like weird leather outfits and yes. but then everyone else 
is dressed in what I would say is like either a normal like jeans and a t-shirt yeah or yeah. like a astronauty type of outfit yeah so w so, is up with that so okay so I just I also have the Stargate Atlantis Wikipedia page up and I can answer that question okay so um both Taylor and Ronan Dex they're both human beings but they are from different planets Okay. Okay. So so they All are right. wearing That's presumably like what is normal their for planet. their culture, their planet to wear. Okay. Is my that guess. also seems like it could be like a racist. Yeah. But probably. um <laughs> just cuz like the only two people who seem not ostensibly white are from another planet, but whatever. Correct. Um, yes. Yes. I think <laughs> I think the thing is there is that if this were done now, someone would have pointed that out and been like, yeah. okay, like it's fine if people from this planet dress like Vikings or whatever, like that's totally fine. But like you got to have a, a non-white person who's from Earth who wears jeans. Like, right, right. You know, and, and maybe also have... A, a white, white person, person from that other con- from oh, dress country, not country, like an ancient planet. Greek or whatever. Right. The fuck it is. Right. Like, yeah. Just take anyway, two of those that, characters, switch them around, and then it's yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I'm not, I'm not like opposed to Jason Momoa, Momoa running around in like a sleeveless little like uh, leather situation. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't mind even it. totally remember precisely what his outfit was. I just remember it was quite a lot of brown. Quite a lot of brown. Very brown. Both of them. I mean, actually, like, yeah, they were in even, a lot of brown. Like, And even, and like, just, the room they were in was kind of brown. Was brown. Like, yeah. There was a lot of brown elements in this, which I'm now only just realizing as we're talking about it. It was like, but now that I'm thinking of it, I think that was also kind of the aesthetic of the era. Like, um... Of the early 2000s was just brown. <laughs> well, I just feel like it was a lot easier to find, like brown garments if you wanted to wear them (laughs) um remember when like brown lipstick was a thing yes i do i do and it was bad it was bad on everyone it's not good um but like yeah i don't i don't know why it was like yeah, the look of both of them, like, because I, I remember at one point, Taylor was in some sort of outfit that to me looked like a, and maybe it was her bedtime outfit, but, like, she had this outfit on where it was, like, a tank top and kind of, like, loose pants, mm-hmm. and I was like, that looks fun to wear, but it was also, yeah, like, a weird beige, and I was like, yeah, you know, that, like... It's fine. It's the future. I know also, like, that's the other thing. We've talked about this a lot. A lot of times when we talk... Well, actually, this isn't the future. It's supposed to be happening in our real timeline. But, oh, okay. Um, that was something that it didn't even cross my mind. Yeah. this Stargate is meant to be happening simultaneous to real life. It is happening okay. in the now. Um, but, like, we've talked about this in other things where it's, like, the future and everyone's in beige... Or gray. Yeah. Like that sort of thing. Here's what I'll say. If I make it to like science fiction times in real time, 
I am ski rude because I do not like any of the versions of the fashion that we've gotten from Hollywood. I don't like this version. I don't like the all silver silver version. I don't like the jumpsuit version. All of it is not for me. Yeah, but yeah, so you're I right. Will like stick into my own clothes. Yeah, the there's especially because I would say like Taylor and Ronan are like the most attractive of oh, the whole sure. cast. Yes. And I'm just like maybe that's why they had to get put in brown to like balance it <laughs> out. Like I, I mean don't I, that's know. what I was thinking. I was like, like are they just putting these the pretty people in these funky clothes? They like just wanted to show off Jason Momoa's muscles and like that girl's abs. Like I don't know. I mean probably. Um in this <laughs> case though Taylor, because she's like this spiritual-ish person, um, she she follows the vision, this ghost woman, to then encounter a burnt man, also who's just a vision. No one else can see this stuff. Um, and so she's rightly unsettled. Meanwhile, up on what I'm calling like an observation deck sort of thing, um... Rodney and Shepard are looking out because Rodney has noticed that there's this one lone whale that is circling the Atlantis compound, and that's unusual. And, you know, we don't know much more than that at this point. Meanwhile, because Ronan has watched Taylor have this weird episode, she's been brought to sick bay to have a physical, I guess. Um, But... Nothing seems to be wrong. And because, again, she's spiritual, she's like, well, we've kind of eliminated the possibility that I'm having a hallucination or that this is, like, something wrong. Like, why couldn't it be a ghost? And everyone is kind of like, oh, Taylor, there's no such thing as ghosts. Um, To which then we cut to her bedroom. She's getting ready for bed. And, of course, she sees this woman again. Um, whereupon, I guess the following day, Taylor goes to speak to a different cast member who's only briefly in this episode, Dr. Where is her full name? Um, it's Heitmeyer, but I can't find her first name. Anyway, Dr. Heitmeyer. Who seems to be some kind of a therapist, maybe, um, or a psychologist of some sort, because Taylor is explaining to her about her visions, and Taylor feels really strongly that the apparitions are trying to communicate something to her. Um, to which Dr. Heitmeyer is like, "Girl, you crazy." Um, <laughs> So much so that then, like, this is just in a hallway. Dr. Heitmeyer is telling Dr. Weir. She's basically narking on Taylor, being like, Taylor's, like, <laughs> losing her shit, Dr. Weir. She's and I like, think you maybe totally. need to do something about it. Poor Taylor. Yeah, well, I was, like, getting a real... I was, like, getting kind of angry at this point because it's like... I know that this is like happening in 2007 or whatever, but why 
is this female health practic- practitioner, whatever she is, psychologist, psychiatrist, therapist, maybe even some type of a medical doctor, why is she not believing this woman about what she's saying? Like, um, yeah. Be- because, of course, we now, I mean, we knew then, but now we really know now that, like, um, when women report things to their health practitioners, often they are told, like, just stop being a whiny bitch, basically. It's um, basically like, did you eat some lettuce? Then go eat some lettuce. Did you go for a walk? Go for a walk. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, you know, and like, especially for, that's especially true for black women, right? And Taylor is black. So, oh yeah. Um, so it's like, I was getting very angry. I was like, this woman has been so like kind of brainwashed by her own profession as to legitimately like dismiss and poo poo the fact that this woman is having visions and instead is like, oh, well, she's not sleeping well and she's having headaches so we should probably just fucking sedate her which is what they do <laughs> oh yeah yeah and f- yeah but meanwhile as dr heitmeier is telling this to dr weir dr weir is also another woman um dr weir has a, has a vision herself of this burnt guy and so then she says to Dr. Heitmeier, I just saw this person that supposedly only Taylor is seeing. So it can't just be that Taylor is like freaking the fuck out. There has to be something else going on. To which Dr. Heitmeier doubles down and is like, well, you know, the power of suggestion is really strong. So because Taylor is having this freak out, you must be having this freak out as well. And you're probably overworked also. Um, she, this doctor sucks. <laughs> yeah, I re- I was getting actively upset at this character. <laughs> like, um, Because then we cut to being in the sick bay and Taylor is being given sedatives to force her to go to sleep. Um, and as the doctor is administering those sedatives, he also starts having a vision of this burnt guy and in his case, he sees the burnt guy on the operating table in his sick bay with like some other like um, ghost like people around. Like, so basically, he sees like kind of a vision of an operation or something happening. Um, meanwhile, out in another part of the city, Ronan and Taylor are walking around together, and Ronan gets a vision. Um, and Taylor sees. So when is this? Him. When is this doctor gonna start believing? It's, I I hope it's like um, literally everyone except this doctor, whatever you called her, Heitmeier or whatever. Um, yeah. Everybody has these visions except for her, and then she's like, "You all are crazy." I don't know. <laughs> well, it doesn't go that way, but it does seem like we don't see her again really in we this episode. We don't get a comeuppance, do we? Yeah. No, we don't yeah. see her again in this episode. I don't think, but um, it doesn't seem like she is ever affected by them, which is weird. Um, Meanwhile, uh, up in the shuttle, Shepard and Rodney have decided to investigate because now it's not just one whale that is circling Atlantis, but like a number of whales 
that are circling Atlantis. So they like want to figure out what's going on as they get closer to the whale. Yeah, I, as we've discussed, ocean planet is not a planet I would really feel good being on. No. Um, for a number of reasons, giant whales just being one of the many. Um, <laughs> so, because these are even bigger than blue whales, like, because it's ocean yeah. planet. And so they're not really whales. We're, just to be clear, like, they're not whales because they're not on Earth and they're just like whales in many ways. So I'm calling them whales. Um, so... They've decided to take this shuttle out to investigate why these whales are like kind of coming closer and closer to Atlantis. However, as they get closer to the whale pod, both Rodney and Shepard develop intense headaches. Um, and they just barely manage to like kind of fly the shuttle back to return to Atlantis before they both pass out. When they come to in sick bay, it's revealed that both of them have had their eardrums basically like blasted out because of their proximity to the whales. Um, and I'm not sure, I can't remember if the whales are like making the whale noises as they're, cause like th- that's the other thing is the whales are making those like whale song sounds. Um, oh, and I'm not sure if that's what supposedly busts the eardrums of Shepard and Rodney, but they, but like the oh, intensity, yeah. like it's like the intensity of their calls, like is hurtful. Their echolocation, to I think, is what they're yeah. talking about. Oh, that, about. yeah, you're right. Echolocation. Um, so they wake up having had their eardrums busted. So there is a bit of what I assume passes for humor of the two of them like shouting at each other. And shouting yeah. at others because they can't hear what the other one is saying. Um, it's now revealed when we're on the, what I'm calling the bridge or the control room. I couldn't tell you precisely, um, but like kind of the central mm-hmm. place that controls Atlantis. Um, that We now see that like bunches and bunches of whales are headed toward the station. And as well, mm-hmm. more and more people are having visions. Um, And Taylor, again, feels really strongly that these visions are some kind of warning, but she can't quite tell, like, about what. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Rodney and Shepard, though they are sick and can't hear anything, decide that they're going to do some investigating in an old abandoned lab in a different part of the city. Always a good idea. Yeah, and Rodney specifically has figured out that um, this particular lab was designed for the study of biological phenomena on the planet. So he's like, Hmm. that's where maybe we can get information about these whales and maybe figure out their behavior. And because now, even though correlation and causation are not necessarily interconnected, most of the people at Atlantis are under the impression that the proximity of the whales is what is causing these visions and nosebleeds for mm, people. Mm-hmm. So they need, they're trying to kind of shoo the whales away, basically. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, back in the control room, so many whales are now coming close to Atlantis that um, Colonel Caldwell, another person who only barely 
matters to this episode. Um, okay, wait, real quick about him. He's the guy. Is he? He is like the old baldish guy. Yes. And okay, well, he came in, and I was like, "You, sir." are a very bad guy on an episode of Criminal Minds. And that is all I know you from. <laughs> of course he was. Um, he, I recognized him from a bunch of stuff as well, but I couldn't tell you what. Um, mm-hmm. But so he is in a spaceship hovering over the sea planet. I forget why he shows up, but he's there. Yeah. And he tells Dr. Weir that he's prepared to fire on all of these whales to, like, protect Atlantis. And Weir's mm. like, no, they're, like, we can't just kill all these whales. We don't have any understanding, really, of, like, what the kind of ecological impact of that might be. Right. And they're not doing anything wrong, really. Like, this, they're not, like, attacking us or anything. Um... And Rodney, who's now spent some time in this weird bio lab, is like, I think they're trying to help. But again, he's like, I'm not really sure what they're trying to help with. All I can tell is that when I was in this lab, it seems like these visions we're all having is a manifestation of whale communication. Oh, whoa. I had forgotten that. I mean, now, to be fair to you, that makes no sense. Um, yeah, well, like, well, maybe they said it, and I was, I was just like, yeah, okay, cool. But when you just said it just now, I got it in a different way or thought of it in it. Like, so what he's saying or what they're saying is, like, you seeing a burning man mm-hmm. is equivalent to what we think whales communication is? Question mark? Basically like that the visions people are having is a result of this echolocation and whale sound. Yeah. Like the echolocation and the whale sound is being done on purpose by the whales to communicate something to them. The way it's being communicated is through these visions. But they don't understand what the visions are. Okay. Those dumbass whales barely know how to speak English. Well, correct. Because then... (laughs) uh, I know. Why can't they simply just speak English? Um, Come on. Well, so that's the whole thing. So... Then they go back down to the bio lab and Rodney is showing Shepard and Ware and maybe some other person, I can't remember, this whole setup. And he's like, look, look at what this is. The ancients, and when they say the ancients, they mean the original kind of humans who create all the stargates and all the things. Okay. He's like, the ancients had been working on some kind of communication device with the whales of this planet. But the ancients were doing this so long ago. Um, Because I I can't remember in any of the Stargate lore now, like how long ago ancients existed versus where we are now in time. But let's say thousands and thousands of years ago. Um, So the ancients were investigating, could they communicate with the whales? 
of thousands of years ago. Yeah. And the whales that they're interacting with in this moment have inherited some of that ability for communication between the two species by, I think he says something about like DNA carrying some of these old memories with it. And I'm like, that's debatable, but okay. Um, (laughs) And so basically because these whales are so in terms of time distantly removed from the whales that this process was like working on, their ability to communicate is patchy, which is why Mm -hmm. these images are so confusing and confused. So Rodney then cleans up the signals coming from the whales, which again, I guess is like a combination of echolocation and actual whale song. (laughs) And what they're able to deduce is that the whales are trying to say something about how Atlantis is in danger, that it's going to be attacked, but not by the whales, by something else. Um, Back up at the, like, control room or whatever, Rodney has now figured out that every 15,000 years on this planet, a solar flare happens. Um, do you know what a solar flare is? Um, no. I could make something up that I thought it was, but it probably <laughs> just make me sound stupid, so no. Um, I don't, actually, before I say something totally incorrect, let's just make sure. I would imagine, like, okay, you see the, the sun as it is. A flare would be, like, where it kind of, from our perspective, like burst a little bit. It's like a a boop. <laughs> um, sorta. You're not wrong. Um, so basically, the the way I'll say it that is per Wikipedia, a solar flare is an intense localized eruption of electromagnetic radiation in the sun's atmosphere. Well, I mean, I'm basically a scientist now, right? Yeah, indeed. Um, I thought so. So that's what's happening here. And in fact, people talk about this a lot in the context of Earth and our sun, that like a serious solar flare could knock out all of like cell phones and all of the internet, you know, and like stuff like that. Ooh, people Um, would be so mad. It would be rough. Um, (laughs) Now... And we have no protection against that uh, because Uh-oh. solar flares, yeah. In the case of this world and this thing, the solar flare is so powerful that it will actually potentially like kind of wipe out all the life on this planet, everything in the sea and of Oof. course Atlantis as well. And... So what Rodney surmises is that the ancients created a way to speak to the whales because they realized that the whales can tell that the solar flare is about to happen because mm. it's, this is kind of weird, but it's all, it is actually vaguely based in truth, which is that certain animals here on earth can See, they start to like act up before some weird natural disaster happens. Yeah, yeah. 
So in this case, it's the same as like when I lived in Chile and there were a lot of like street dogs there. And mm. um, Oh man, that would be a problem for me. I know. It was kind of a problem for me. But like oh, are they okay, real quick, sorry, now you said street dogs and I want to talk about that more than that show. Yeah. Yeah. Oh are they cute? Often. Not always, <gasps> but often. Oh. Are they like yeah. are they aggressive? Usually not. <gasps> oh no. And Yeah. I mean, like I knew many also a person. Ones sometimes, yes, they're of all shapes <gasps> and sizes. Like puppies, um, shut the fuck up. They do not have yes. street puppies. <gasps> yes, I knew. Oh, I would. Have I know 30, where you're going with this. If I lived I, there, I knew many people who just chose a dog off the street and then made it their dog. Of course, I would have yeah. ten. Yeah, but like so, before you could always kind of. Figure out that the dog an started acting was weird. coming because they would start to act strange, like a few minutes. And what before. would they do? Like um, all be like huddled up together, or like no? It was usually like because even though there, are, I mean, and maybe now Santiago's different, but I'd be surprised if it were. But like um, street dogs usually don't bark very much. Okay. Um, okay. Unless they're like playing with each other or fighting with each other, but like. Okay. All of a sudden, you'd notice, like, a lot of dogs barking, oh. like, simultaneously, or, like, barking Ooh, and maybe... chilling. ...running around in a weird way, you know? Um, and so that... And then almost, like, yeah, it was pretty consistent. Like, then a couple minutes later, an earthquake would happen. I mean, I um, believe it. I mean, dogs can... I mean, animals in general are, like, smarter than us in many ways, but... Dogs can, like, sniff out cancer and, like, all types of, like, things like that. So that's not surprising. So I definitely believe that a whale would have the sort of awareness. Some kind of, yeah. So something in their environment changes as a result yeah. of this impending solar flare. And so what Rodney is saying is that the ancients figured out that the whales had this ability and that's why they wanted to develop this like kind of communication network with them so that when the next solar flare came, because the ancients are super technologically advanced, so they actually have a shield that would protect the whole planet from this flare, mm -hmm. but they need to know to oper like to put it on, basically. Okay. And so they were like, oh, we'll set up this thing, the whales will alert us, we'll put up the shield, the solar flare will happen, everything will be fine. But wow, of course, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's a weird idea. Um, yeah. But unfortunately, obviously, the ancients aren't there anymore. It's these other groups of humans who are just learning this on the fly. And they also don't have enough power to put the shield around the whole planet. Um, so they're like, well, now what do we do? Shepard then says, why don't we use the ship that's in space? to divert the flare from the planet, which is what they do. They move the ship into the direction, like in, so it takes the brunt of the solar flare um, and it has a shield and it has enough energy to do that. Um, and so that's what happens. The solar flare kind of like 
dissipates off the ship as a result back down on Atlantis planet the whales begin to disperse away oh that was the other thing is like the whales knew instinctually that if they went to Atlantis they would be protected as well because they would be under the shield that was the other thing um so so now they disperse again because the danger is over uh, Ronan and Taylor. Ronan, for some reason, now, oh, because Taylor almost dies at one point. So Ronan now is like wanting to meditate with her. So we get a little scene where they're doing that. And the final scene is up on the observation deck. Rodney is watching his last whale swim away. And that is the show. <sighs> It's a weird one. It is a weird one. It's a lot of like, um, I remember uh, at one point uh, someone was teasing me about Star Trek The Next Generation and the, the teasing basically entailed that like every episode of Star Trek gets just up to there being a problem and then the problem never really happens. Um, oh, really? Yeah, and I and I agree that that's a sort of fair estimation of that show. <laughs> um, basically, what they were trying to say is it's boring. Um, well, and and this episode also had a feel of that to me, where it's like it was a lot of talking about the problem without actually seeing the problem. Well, if like that makes the sense. Re- the reveal of what was going on came quite late. And yeah. and then the solution was seemingly easy, quite easy. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and I know I don't imagine that every episode was like that, but that was how this one was. And I was like, this is yeah. kind of weird, but okay. Um. So with that then said, let's turn to yawns and eye rolls. Uh, one yawn being um, this was totally captivating and ten yawns being this was just pure sleeping potion. What would you <laughs> give it? Hmm. This one was pretty boring for me, not going to lie. Um... So I think I might say like a six or seven. The redeeming quality in the boring was I somehow still pretty much got what was going on without paying attention. (laughs) That is one of the nice things about a boring show. I mean, I probably like I needed the prompting or like looking at it in a outline to recall and stuff. But sometimes when I when I quote unquote watch these boring shows I realize I didn't watch it at all Um, yeah so this I did like track what was happening at least but yeah boring wise I would say six or seven yeah I'll give it slightly more credit and go with a five um Mm -hmm. but yeah something about it was not super engaging to me, um, I couldn't quite put my finger on what it was, but I just was like, maybe it just felt a bit like predictable is not quite the right word because I certainly didn't yeah. think 
whales and ghosts were going to be connected. Um, <laughs> but Come on, it was so when obvious. It, when it was connected, I was like, this feels kind of lazy and stupid. Yeah. And that yeah. I didn't love. Um, in terms of eye rolls, one eye roll is um, excellent world building. Totally got it. And 10 eye rolls is like, this is the hokiest thing I've ever seen. What would you give it? Hmm. hmm. Well, it's not that it's hokey, but a world that is a planet of all water is horrible to me. So I will give it an eight for that reason. <laughs> Fair. Um, yeah, I think I, again, would probably up the ante and maybe go seven here. Um, and maybe it's because if I had watched some of the pilot, I would have a better understanding. But, like, spinoffs are spinoffs, and they have their place. Um, but th- this all felt more like, even the characters, did, like, I was like, this is all just, like, kind of, like, a sketch of a thing yeah. that could be. It, like, it, nothing has really been fully realized um, mm. terribly much. And, mm-hmm. and, and while it didn't have the feeling of a cash grab, because there was more to it than that, it still was like, oh, I the guess The easy way out in some way. I, well, I guess going back to that thing of like, were you spending most of your money on SG-1 and this yeah. is like an afterthought sort of mm-hmm. thing? That's kind of how it felt to me. I'm realizing mm-hmm. now I forgot to ask something that I was thinking as you were discussing and it's usually, and I'm, it's a bit of a turn of the tables. Um, so do you find Jason Momoa actually attractive? Um, that's a great question. I'm so glad you asked. As the resident, um, expert on, um, the female gaze, I guess, if you will. (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know, I, uh, it's a tough one. I get it. Like, I get why I guess at this point, I'm just looking, I will find... The man you're attracted to someday, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, no, 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 like, here's the thing. Like, I get it, but, and I, okay, I, what I do like about him is he is large, so I feel, I would feel small around him, which I do okay. like. That's interesting. <laughs> I would not have expected that of you, but Okay. Well, it's not, like, in in my actual dating life or, like, romantic life, it's not evident, but it is true. <laughs> okay. Um, Fair. I, I like feeling small. But... I get it. At the same time, like, facially and overall, like, generally I don't go for, like, generally I'm not really into, uh, like, very... He's kind of aggressive looking, so, like, mm. it's, it's, like, two sides of this, like, uh, I like him because he's big. I'm also scared of him because he's big. So, <laughs> it's, like, a tough, I don't know. Um, I get it about him. I, I, he is. Like, in, con- in contrast man. to 
Yeah, like, I'm saying this because, like, you've asked me about, I'm trying to remember, like, Charlton Heston, I think you've asked me about. A lot of people. (laughs) Arnold Schwarzenegger, I think we've discussed. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the other more recent ones. I know. I think I said it about, like, Kevin Bacon, too. And it's not that I don't find any of those people... uh, it's not that I don't find any of those people attractive. It's like, and actually, quite honestly, Jason Momoa facially, uh, well, some pictures are better than others. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I would I don't say like that him. facially he's quite average. Yeah, probably. Um, and I definitely don't like him as Cal Drogo or whatever his character's right. name is in that. Yeah. I do like his tattoos. I'll give him that. Um I do kind of like the long hair. Yep. It's, uh, yeah, I don't, he's a tough, that's a tough one. Cause it's like, yeah, like I, I said, the, thing I, has, the things I like about him are also the things I don't like about him at the very same time. I get it. He's got, I would say more than anything, he seems to have a really good presence. Yes. Um, and if you like a muscular body, then of course, like he's got that. But like he if you seems look like the presence, that's I mean, I was just thinking like purely physical, but I think you're right that the presence is part of it because he's a big guy that seems like he might be sort of teddy bearish. Yes. Like he doesn't and seem if you look scary. At, yeah, and if you look at older pictures of him where he's kind of more just a regular guy looking, um, you yeah. can see that, like, his face is unremarkable is crueler than I mean it to sound. But, like, <laughs> his face is just a face. You know, like, he looks sure. like a perfectly lovely guy who played football or something. You know, like, that's what he looks yeah, like he in looks, his younger days. Yeah. Um, and then he has developed character, and he now yeah, is, like, style. way bigger than he was yeah. when he was young, you know. Um, and he's got a lot more tattoos, and I, I mean, that yeah. adds to the sort of mystique as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I like, I look, I, I, I am kind of of a similar vein. Like, when he started blowing up as, like, before he even really was Aquaman, he, when he, I guess it was after he was Cal Drogo, was when women of a certain type... And yes. Caliber just like talk and about I don't him like obsessively. And yeah. and like I just found a picture of him in like a nerdy sweater and glasses with his hair up, and that's the cutest I think he looks to me. Like, oh, I wish I could find said picture. I it's like pretty far down my scroll. <laughs> okay, but um, that's where he's more appealing to me. He looks like he's like in one of your classes or something. <laughs> Oh, I see the one you're talking about. Yeah, that is a pretty funny one. Um, I think I have had men who look quite a lot like that in some of my classes, except not nearly it, as Look, big. he's wearing a very collegiate outfit. He is. Um, I'm surprised there aren't, like, leather patches on his elbows on that sweater. Well, then he would be, like, the professor himself. But, like... Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's more appealing to me than, the like, the Khal Drogo stuff. Yeah. And when he has short hair, if you scroll down and you see him when he's got short hair, he he is much less attractive, I think. Um, yeah, because the, the long hair, hair gives him that character. Yeah, 
The hair is part of it. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I guess we to, to that we both say he seems good. Um, I wouldn't be like, you're disgusting. <laughs> Get away from me. Um, and, and as well, that's the other thing is like, what we can't know about any of these people we've discussed is like, what would it be like to actually be in the same room with that person? Like, would they, would all of a sudden their attractiveness, like if they were in a room with all the rest of us normal types and like, would then they be like so um, disgustingly more attractive than everyone? Of course. Yes. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Even for any of the ones I've been like, "Uh, I don't think so. The answer is categorically yes, I think. Because I have seen a few celebrities in my life in person, and, like, there are people who are obviously attractive, but, like, if we were talking about them in this realm, I might be like, eh. But in real life, it's very clear that they're the most attractive person in the space. <laughs> 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 like, very clear. Yeah. Well, then, finally, did you like this show, and would you recommend it? Uh, you know, no and no. It's maybe not as vehement a no as some of the <laughs> previous ones, but it, I definitely did feel like when I was started watching this, I was like, she is for sure trolling me because we're watching all this stuff that is like <laughs> crap. Um, I will say in the U.S. it is free, well, at least on my version of Hulu that I pay for is free. Okay. Um, so that makes it more Im- more accessible, but I, I wouldn't really waste my time. Yeah, I would say, for me, I liked it okay, which is not the same as saying I liked it. I liked it okay. <laughs> and I did wish it were free, because I'm like, ooh, this would be such a great napping show. I would so yeah, I love think I- to nap to this. Um, which isn't, is not an indictment on that show. No, I get that. um, But unfortunately, I'm not able to do that in my particular area for free, Um, Mm. which is a shame. But would I recommend it? I don't think so. For a napping show, yes. (laughs) For a napping show, I would. Um, But for a viewing show... I wouldn't. Um, because, I, actually, what I probably would say is, like, watch SG-1. Yeah. Rather than right. Um, yeah. Because this one, like I said, it just feels like an afterthought. It feels kind of, like, weirdly silly. Like, I don't... Mm-hmm. Just the Atlantis of it all makes it already make me be like, uh, Yeah. Like, um, so yeah, I would say definitely it, I liked it fine. I would recommend it for a napping show. If you get it, if where you are, you can get it for free. Have a look if you like. Um, sure. But definitely don't spend the, I think I had to spend three forty nine to get this episode. And I was, and I was uh. very irritated about that. So if you thought I was trolling you, it turned out I was trolling myself as well. I guess so. Well, Um, at least for me, it was free. And also, I will say, I, to the trolling of it all, 
I was like, oh, this is at least not as bad as some of the stuff we watched. Well, no, it's not as bad. And like I said, I could... Like, I could watch it and also not watch it at the same time, which I did appreciate. Um, yes. But it is of the vein and of stuff that I don't prefer. And on that delightful note, <laughs> I'm Sarah, and I'm here with Amy, and we'll see you next week in space. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.